everyone and welcome to episode three of You, Me and ADHD podcast. I just want to say a massive thank you to everybody because I had an email this week saying that my podcast is doing really well in the UK so the message is getting out there and I'm really grateful for that. Uh, It's really helpful to me if listeners leave a review or rank the episodes, share it, talk about it, because it just really helps increase that visibility and in getting that awareness um, out there even further. So thank you very much in all that you do and in just listening, you're helping me make a difference. We're making a difference together. So thank you. This episode is going to focus on the consequences of undiagnosed ADHD. Um, It is ADHD Awareness Month and that is the reason that I am wanting to do this specific podcast for whilst we're still in October. Um, It is a special one and it was really not easy to record. I've edited it, scrapped it and started again a couple of times already. This podcast platform comes with its own disclaimer and a trigger warning anyway, and it is not intended for children. This episode in particular comes with a separate trigger warning in itself, as I am going to touch on sensitive topics, including self-harm and suicide. Uh, These topics are uncomfortable to listen to. I understand that, but they are important topics to cover and they need to be spoken about in this episode. I was going to add sections to allow people to skip through if they wanted to but I was just becoming so confused with my editing and obviously the trigger warning in itself does give a warning if you do find that sort of content upsetting please practice self-care prioritize your own mental health and please bear that in mind before making a decision whether to listen or not hello and welcome to the you me and adhd podcast I am not a medical professional and I'm in no way qualified to diagnose ADHD. I'm simply sharing my life experiences of life before and since receiving my diagnosis of combined ADHD and how it has impacted my life. Trigger warning, at times I may touch on certain subjects that listeners may find uncomfortable to listen to, so please be sure to read the full episode description carefully before listening, just to make sure that it's right for you. I'm a mother of a neurodivergent child and a qualified professional in education with expertise in behaviour that challenges in young people. This is not subject to, but does include ADHD. I've worked with many children with ADHD and I live with one, so I feel I can shed some light on the disability and have lots of life experiences and knowledge to share with you, which I hope will raise awareness and just help others identify signs early on. Currently in the UK, there are thought to be around 1.9 million adults that have had a formal diagnosis of ADHD or currently have a formal diagnosis of ADHD. Um, That proportion, when we think of women, um, there are far more men than women in that category of 1.9 million. Um, It is also estimated that roughly 750,000 women in the UK have been misdiagnosed or incorrect and are being incorrectly treated for other conditions 
and around 423,000 girls. So that collectively for girls and women, there's over a million women and girls in the UK that are being misdiagnosed and medically treated for something that is a misdiagnosis or it is a direct result of having undiagnosed ADHD in some circumstances. Um, so what that would mean or what that might look like is you might be diagnosed with anxiety and depression, you might have anxiety and depression, but that could be a direct result of an unmet need or an or, or undiagnosed ADHD in this case. Also, it is estimated that around 50 to 75% of women with ADHD currently living in the UK will go undiagnosed in their lifetime. And there are thought to be around 2 million women who are undiagnosed in the UK. So 50 to 75% of those women will continue in life without ever getting that diagnosis and getting the proper medication that they need if they choose to go on medication or the proper support that they need. Um, understanding, just having that clarity and that closure, um, they will never have that. Um, I'm not saying that if you have ADHD, you need medication. That is not what I'm saying at all. But if you are being prescribed medication for something else, that you, do you know what I mean? You see where I'm going with that. When you don't necessarily need that, there is something else there underlying that is causing that other condition. There are a lot of comorbidities that exist alongside ADHD, such as anxiety, depression, and so on. Um, and there are a lot of things that also overlap that might appear as one thing, but it's actually something else. And it's a really complex uh, web that I'm, gonna, I'm not gonna dive into that because as I say, over and over again, I'm not an expert. I'm just obviously wanting to raise awareness. So there is a charity out there called ADHD Foundation UK, and they actually have a section um, dedicated to women and girls and um, late diagnosis or undiagnosis of ADHD. And I'm just going to read to you a little bit of information that is on their website just to give you a bit of an insight into the actual consequences. So let's just bear those figures in mind that I spoke about. There are currently around 2 million women estimated in the UK that are currently undiagnosed and around a million women and girls in the UK who have a misdiagnosis um, of one thing or another. Okay, so many girls meet the criteria for mental health problems, which can be more confusing for untrained clinicians who do not understand ADHD. What does that mean? That means that there are cl clinicians out there who obviously have their own specialism, have their doctrine, etc., but not in ADHD. So they are not a neurological specialist. So they are they do not understand ADHD. It is still a fairly new thing. I do not think I'm speaking out of line by saying that. I think that is a very well known fact, and therefore the these girls are meeting the criteria for other mental health problems. And then they are being, that's where the misdiagnosis is coming from. Um, also, um, people who are being diagnosed with autism should be screened for ADHD. And they're, they're not, it's not an automatic thing. Um, my son, we went privately for, for him and he was diagnosed with autism and ADHD. And they do tend to go hand in hand, but that is not happening at the moment. Um, women and girls with combined type ADHD... Um, show higher rates of mental health problems and self-harm. And self-harm can look like a lot of things. 
that can be um, your more sort of severe or, or typical initial thoughts that we all get or that stereotypical thought that we get of what self-harm might look like. Um, but then there are other ways of self-harming such as alcohol abuse, drug misuse, um, putting yourself in risky situations, um, eating disorders. These are all classed as uh, fall into categories of self-harm and I don't think a lot of people realise that. I certainly did not realise that when I did my training on on self-harm and what that actually can present as. Um, so what else can I... I want to obviously make this... There's a lot of bits on here that really aren't necessarily um, linked that I don't need to go through, but I really want to touch on the main parts. Okay, so research suggests that there is an increase in ADHD symptoms during puberty. I know myself that that is for both boys and girls. During adolescence, symptoms will worsen. Um, undiagnosed, untreated ADHD in women and girls increases a risk of failing in education, resulting in reduced employability and economic independence and prosperity. So that basically is saying in a nutshell that these girls are failing in their education, which then is reducing all of the opportunities out there for them to get a job and a career to get out of their community out of their area and then they are start that's where it starts to snowball and spiral from there really and goes downhill um so undiagnosed and untreated adhd in women and girls increases the risk of postpartum depression difficulties with low mood and emotional regulation are more common and more severe in in girls and women with adhd more vulnerable to bullying, susceptible to peer pressure and social isolation, greater risk of un unplanned or underage pregnancies, hospitalisation for mental health problems, hormonal fluctuations resulting in reduced cognitive functioning and emotional dysregulation during menstrual cycle and menopause. So yeah, these are the consequences of a late diagnosis for girls and women with ADHD. And I think that when you think about those numbers that I spoke about at the beginning of this section, where there are estimated, let's just go with adding them all together, 3 million women out there who are either undiagnosed or misdiagnosed, and 50 to 70% of those women and girls will not get a diagnosis in their lifetime. That's really scary because um, research does suggest that one in four women, and this is based on... Um, reliable sources and interviews of women and families of these women as well one in four women with ADHD will attempt suicide and that is 14% of women as opposed to 2.7 um, the 2.7% of people who do not have ADHD who attempt suicide compared to the 14% of people who attempt suicide uh, with ADHD and that's really really sad to think um, what these girls and women's lives could have been like had they have had that diagnosis sooner and had those signs been recognised. Um, there's a charity called ADHD UK and their founder talks about their donations and they, because uh, obviously they are a, a charity, so they re receive donations and the, the largest amount of their donations comes from families who have lost someone to suicide, uh, whether that is with a diagnosis of ADHD or whether that is that they have an undiagnosed, uh, had had 
undiagnosed ADHD or that it's gone on too late in life or that they've been waiting. I don't know the actual specifics of that, but I think that that really hit home for me. And I remember when I saw the founder of ADHD UK speaking about that on the telly, um, I just cried and I just thought those poor humans, they could have been saved. Their lives, their quality of life could have been so much better um, had they have been picked up sooner and, and their needs met from childhood through adolescence through into adulthood. So obviously then this raises the question, why? Why are girls missed? Why are they going with not being diagnosed until adulthood? Um, I Or at all, if not in adulthood, then not at all. And why not being diagnosed and picked up when they're at school? And I have touched on this in other episodes. But females usually present with the inattentive type of ADHD and therefore they are more likely to be overlooked in childhood because they are not noticed as those symptoms are not noticed as much as the hyperactive counterparts, which tends to be more present in boys. So boys will have more external um, types of ADHD and girls have more internal types of ADHD. Girls are more likely to be perceived in childhood and and adolescence as overly talkative daydreamers and who are behaviorally compliant. Masking happens. Young females mature sooner than males and are therefore better able to mask their emotional dysregulation, poor concentration, um, memory and impulsivity. There are cultural misinterpretations of ADHD and how they may present, uh, sorry, that may prevent girls and women from self-identifying as having ADHD due to historic stigmatism, stereotyping um, with boys and with ADHD. So um, we as women have this thought or have this thought of what ADHD look like, uh, looks like and therefore we haven't identified with having it at all. And there are massive misinterpretations of it out there and huge stigmatism and stereotypes attached to it. And that is a problem. And then there is a lack of training and awareness for health professionals. Therefore, there is a delay as well as a failure to recognise ADHD in girls with significant implications for then their education, physical and psychological health. I think one other thing that is worth me talking about is the fact that ADHD can be hereditary. Uh, there is a very big, uh, very big, <laughs> a very high percentage of ADHD cases where there is hereditary links. It's like, I think it's something like 80% um, chance of having a a child with ADHD if a parent has ADHD and then siblings and then there's links with identical twins and so on and so on. But then it's like, if we've got this current crisis of women who are undiagnosed with ADHD or who cannot identify as having ADHD because of these cultural misinterpretations of ADHD, um, which are preventing girls and women from identifying as even having it, then how are their daughters going to recognise that? What's going to be of their children and their children? And it's just, just really overwhelming and it's a cultural... It's a social, it's a generational crisis. And I keep using the word crisis because I just think that there's no other way of describing it, really. Many adults living with ADHD may have uh, taught themselves a range of coping strategies, which 
may or may not work for them. However, there are occasions where these strategies do fail and the this is when adults tend to seek help. Um, if adults are not diagnosed and subsequently treated for ADHD, then they will be likely to struggle with things like being able to concentrate for long periods of time, uh, forgetfulness and short-term memory issues, uh, disorganisation, have difficulty maintaining daily routines, impulsive behaviour, um, anger outbursts, low self-esteem, which can lead to uh, depression and anxiety. There's also chronic stress and links to it leading to conditions such as fibromyalgia, poor social skills, poor time management, feeling overwhelmed by everyday tasks, um, moving from planning a task to actually doing a task is a challenge, um, prioritising tasks and having trouble completing tasks. Um, but obviously this is sort of just scratches the surface really um, of, of, unfortunately, there are more severe consequences that accompany these symptoms that I've just mentioned. Um, things like difficulty in relationships or sustaining or maintaining positive uh, relationships in life. Negative parent-child interactions, drug and alcohol abuse. Um, there's an increased mortality rate as well for people with ADHD. So people with ADHD, uh, their life expectancy is 13 years shorter than, their, than the neurotypical uh, life expectancy. Um, there's financial debt. People with ADHD tend to find themselves in a lot of debt or have a lot of financial problems. Um, and then obviously I've spoken about uh, other things such as uh, underage and teenage pregnancy, self-harm, and then obviously attempts of suicide and then obviously suicide as well. And it's just, there is a really dark side to this and awareness is so important and it's so key. And some of these things have affected me directly in my life. Um, I obviously won't share any names for obvious reasons, but um, somebody who is, um, it's not easy for me to share this either. I really don't share this with many people, um, but there is somebody who is no longer in my life. Um, they're still with us, this person is. Um, but this person, now that I know more about ADHD, um, I personally think, and I'm not a doctor, I cannot diagnose ADHD, but I really think that this person has undiagnosed ADHD and has been living with it for 50 odd years now. Um, this person has always gone from job to job, has had extremely toxic relationships, has a really bad temper, um, has battled anxiety and depression, has been diagnosed with depression and clinical depression. Um, has developed um, really heavy um, uh, addictions to uh, prescribed medication, um, always late for absolutely everything, really struggled to hold down any kind of job, has had really negative um, relationships with their um, peers, people around them, with their family, their children, has ended up having uh, children removed, um, and then has ended up in prison, and inevitably, um, uh, you know, in and out of prison and committing crimes, um, theft, and is now um, a heroin addict. And I just think that there is a serious need met um, 
there with that with that individual and that individual has uh, attempted suicide on more than one occasion as well and when I look at all these things and when I all of the signs point to me to an unmet need and I think that it's highly possible that this person um, possibly has ADHD Um, and it's really sad when I think about how their quality of life is now and what their quality of life was at one time and what their quality of life could have potentially looked like had they have gotten that diagnosis sooner and I just feel like if I can help change anybody from going help prevent anybody from going on that path or to recognize and identify with any of those things or or anything like that then then yeah at least I'm I'm helping somebody not go through what that person or what I have watched that person experience because their life is just completely destroyed and it's heartbreaking because this is a person who was once full of enthusiasm and hope and had a great future and a great career ahead of them they were smart and um not that there's any correlation between IQ and ADHD by no means but very intelligent capable mother wife woman whose life was just sort of I don't know if taken away is the right way to describe it but slipped out of their hands and I feel like they weren't the ones that needed to have that grip on that 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 there's so many aspects out there in life that that could have helped that person hold on to that grip a bit longer um, or a bit sooner to have prevented any of these things from happening who knows maybe I'm wrong and maybe that was that person's path all along not everybody I'm not saying that everybody out there who's homeless or on the streets who's pushing that push chair who's underage or who's got a drug addiction or who's in prison you know I'm not saying that they all must have ADHD but I'm just saying you know next time you do see that person before you do jump to conclusions or make a judgment just sit and think to yourself maybe that person has an an unmet need maybe that person hasn't had the help that they need and maybe that person's life did look differently at one time I think that the system has let people down in the past I think that there was not enough awareness 20-30 years ago and there is still not enough awareness now and there is not enough um, representation out there Um, there is a lot of stigma, um, there is lack of support for NHS and from the government. And that is not me pointing the finger of blame to the government. There has been petitions out there that have been passed to the government and the government's response mainly focused on the CCGs, which is the clinical commissioning groups and the clinical commissioning groups all over each county, basically. And really, it's NHS England who should work with the clinical commissioning groups to ensure that they prioritise data collection and use that as part of their drive to improve health services for people with ADHD, hence these massively long waiting lists um, and and lack of support out there and lack of knowledge and even for things like medication. I mean, I know people who have their diagnosis now, but then there's still a struggle when it comes to medication. And then there's just this whole ableist process of having to get hold of that medication and remember that you need to order it and that you need to then collect it and that you need to go for blood tests and screenings and all of these appointments that people with ADHD find so difficult to do. Um, 
teacher training as well, initial teacher training providers should clearly focus on supporting children with ADHD in their programs. Um, and when I did my initial teacher training, obviously we focus on SCND. There's a massive push on that. That's 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 not something that I am disputing. But there needs to be more awareness of ADHD in schools. And for me, the Senkos that I have worked with in the schools and the experience I have, they are amazing and fantastic. And again, this isn't a finger of blame at all. Um, and also in terms of employability, you know, the Department for Work and Pensions, that's their, that's their area. They need to have work coaches and employers should signpost people with ADHD to be able to access work. It's all good and well saying, or people saying, well, people with ADHD, you know, it, they're costing the NHS thousands and thousands and millions because of medication. No, let's think about this really from the starting point. If these people were diagnosed sooner, then they would get the support that they need in place earlier. And then that would not lead to things like unemployability, which was probably costing the economy way more than what it is for people getting support with medication. And also people who end up in prison, there is a startling, startling percentage of people who are in prison in the UK right now that score very highly on the... Um, criteria for having ADHD there have been studies out there there are so many scholarly articles that you can read about this and it all seems to make sense and to link to all the things that we've said about difficulty in education and then employability becoming a problem and falling down a, a route of drug and alcohol misuse and then homelessness and then leading to poverty and and desperate times there's it's it's a it's a holistic approach that needs to be taken where everybody needs to get involved. And if that means that all I can do is do my bit by raising awareness and spreading it out there so that parents are more aware and that women are more aware and that they can recognise that in their sisters and their friends and their children and their daughters and their nieces, then that's what I'm going to do. I definitely went off on a bit of a tangent there. I just got slightly passionate, sorry, but well, actually, no, I'm not sorry. Anyway, um, I did a survey on my Instagram recently to help me with this episode. Um, I asked some questions. So I asked how many of you have a diagnosis of ADHD or think you may have ADHD? 84% of you said that you think you may have ADHD or that you have got a diagnosis of ADHD. Um, 95% of you said that procrastination impacts your day-to-day -day life and that's people with or without ADHD. I think there was one person that said that they didn't think or they had it or didn't have it um, but procrastination still affects their day-to-day -day life. 68% struggle to manage tasks with ease. 46% of people, so this was for the people that have not had a diagnosis, um, what were their reasons for not seeking one yet? So 46% of you said that you were put off by the NHS waiting lists. 31% of you said that you did not know where to start. 15% of you said that it was too much hassle and the remaining percentage said that they would rather not know. And in terms of energy levels, 79% of you said that you had an uneven balance of energy levels. And I do not have like 100,000 followers on my Instagram, but just knowing that out of those people that did take part in that, um, that, that they can relate to me or I can relate to them. Like, I just want to say to you people that I see you and I understand where you're coming from. And I must say that for me personally, when I read all of this stuff and 
I can relate to so many areas or so many near misses for me in my life with my own struggles and how I didn't do well in school and how I did have a bit of a, um, a turbulent start into my sort of late teens and early 20s and how I did struggle with employment until I found that I could um, work in an, well in high intense, um, under, under high intense pressure and that's why I do really well in my job because I mix my my hyper focus of art and my ability to work under great pressure in teaching and they just came together and made a beautiful sandwich for me in my work but I feel so bad for that I almost feel guilty knowing that I've had my diagnosis and there's so many women out there who are undiagnosed or who don't even know where to start or who just would rather not know or who are put off by waiting lists or who aren't even at that point of even thinking ADHD hasn't even crossed their mind. They just think that they're living with depression and anxiety and that just makes me really, really sad and I just feel an immense feeling of guilt and almost like grieving for these women and for their lives and what their lives could have been and that's why I'm making this podcast because if I can just I'm not trained to give advice and I'm not trained to signpost anyone or anything like that I can only give my observations and share my experiences and what knowledge I have and if I can even help one woman out there to think oh my goodness that sounds like me I'm gonna go and I'm gonna seek some support or that sounds like my daughter or even if I'm just giving someone the information the tools that they need to recognize it in somebody else or just to be kinder and to be less I'm not saying that people are ignorant but just to be more aware of it and have a better understanding of ADHD and if I can change someone's perception of ADHD then even that alone I feel like I've done it I've done my job and I've done my bit in, in helping other people I didn't want this episode to be completely all doom and gloom. You know, there are a lot of, there is a very dark side to this journey. Um, but I want to end on a positive. You know, if you're listening to this, please do not forget that people with ADHD have so many strengths that either are taken for granted or have been ignored. Things like hyperfocus, when put in the right place, is the most incredible thing. I love that I can hyper-focus on things and it just makes me very resourceful and helps me with the deadlines. Don't get me wrong, I work like crazy under pressure. But there's resourcefulness, curiosity, creativity, intuitive thinking. People really think outside the box and they have ADHD. Quick thinking, like if there is a zombie apocalypse, you are going to wish you had a friend with ADHD. Resilience, positivity, so much enthusiasm and empathy and sensitivity there's so many of these hidden talents and you you know there's there's so many tools out there and there's so many things that you can look into that can help you to really harness them and use them at home and in your relationships and in the workplace I mean for me I'm still struggling and I'm still finding my challenges at home um, and just in everyday life can be a challenge I definitely have harnessed them from out for work definitely um, but in un, in unleashing these sort of inner strengths, you can go about daily life in your own unique way. You do not need to change who you are, um, but there's things out there to support you so that you can get your needs met rather than trying to meet everybody else's needs. And this definitely does not happen overnight. So just give yourself time 
And as I said at the beginning, prioritise self-care and put your mental health first and talk to people and just be kinder to yourself. And that's really all that I can say. Um, if, if you are listening to this and you do think you might have ADHD or you do have ADHD, I know, I don't think, I know that you are an amazing person. And yeah, there we go. so much for listening to this podcast as I said at the beginning it was not easy to record it was touching on lots of sensitive topics I really um, spoke about some things that I found challenging to talk about but you know these are the things that we need to speak about we need to be having these difficult conversations so that they're not difficult conversations so that they become the norm and that there isn't a stigma and they're not taboo so thank you so much for listening and just for reaching out to me on social media it's been um it's made me definitely feel like I'm not alone with ADHD and that definitely brings um brings me joy um so that it concludes the ADHD awareness month uh, episode and yeah I've already said it a million times but thank you so much and um yeah I'll um speak to you next week.